you know what happened when you are world champion that uh, you feel like when you are fighting for something so many years you are just behind something like uh, a dog be behind a sausage you know like just running <laughs> running to catch it once you have it you say okay that's it yeah. you know okay I get it and, and now what yeah. now okay and you wake up the day after and say okay you are world champion, but you, you need to do the same or even better next year. The you breakfast know? tastes yeah. the same. Exactly <laughs> the same. It's, it's, it's quite annoying. Welcome to Last on the Breaks, the Motor GP podcast this week. Not sure if you can tell from behind us, from Mazzano once again as we return for the Emilia Romagna GP and with Paul Aspargaro. The pole cast, as his oh. press officer called it. No, he is a press officer, Harry Lloyd called it that, not, not us. But uh, yes, we have Paul Aspargaro with us. <laughs> uh, first time speaking to Paul Aspargaro. Of course, you might remember we spoke to Aleish back in Hareth. So if you haven't watched that episode, go back and watch it because I think, like, as we always do, we started with Paul's origin story, but we heard more of a full story from that, I think, from Aleish. Yeah, and if you do prefer the audio format, go and listen to it. Yeah. I'll advocate for that one. Yes, uh, yeah, please, <laughs> no, um, uh, please do go and listen to the audio format if you, for whatever reason, can't cope with masks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously, interesting guy, really interesting new challenge this year, but it's not just about, so how was your first season with Repsol Honda? Um, a little bit about his backstory and career, but also about those big decisions, how you make them, what made him take the decision to go to KTM, what made him take the decision to go to Repsol Honda, um, I think it's a really interesting one. It's a nice one, that think, kind of trajectory. I think we might have gone uh, maybe, not an exclusive, but something that hasn't been talked about much before. He did say that, the offer he had from Suzuki was, uh, was something he's not really mentioned much previously. Yeah. So that was uh, very interesting. So keep an eye out for that. I think this is a really fascinating episode as well. Really, uh, we pressed it up. We didn't uh, anticipate asking about this, but did end up pressing what it's like being a, a world champion, that feeling, whether it lives up to expectation or not. Something quite a relevant conversation, you know, given the, I think a lot of talk about Moto3 and Moto2 in recent months, how competitive it is, how fierce it is. All those, you know, in some cases, young, well, young athletes and dreaming of being a world champion. Does it actually live up to the hype? Good question. <laughs> Love it. So, yeah, um, and then the question of the week that we always ask before, uh, kind of taking inspiration from Paul. I've immediately forgotten what we agreed. What well, was it? What, we, what Paul actually <laughs> talked about is that you asked him about his passion for playing piano. Paul was told when that he was, was a kid that in school, yeah. piano's not cool, what are you doing with that? And he stuck with his passion because now he thinks it's well, cool. Well, he came back to well, his he came passion. back to it, yeah, right. So our question <laughs> to you guys is, have you, do you have a passion or something you're interested in when you were a young kid in school that everyone said to you at the time, that's not cool, but then you either came back to it later in life or you just stuck with it anyways? For me, as I said in the podcast, it's motorbike racing. I was told by kids in school it's not cool. I was like, Mine I don't care, is... I enjoy it. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Mine is more my taste in music, which is partly visually obvious, <laughs> <laughs> but also those sort of like Laurel Canyon 70s niche rock and roll songwriters. When you're younger, they're like, well, that's not cool. And it's like, well, now I know that it is cool to like them, not because of something being cool or not, but because whatever you like, being true to that and enjoying it is good. Exactly. You know, so, a little bit of <laughs> over-the-top life lessening there. But, no, uh, that's yeah. what this podcast <laughs> is all about. And MotoGP. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, put your comments in the YouTube uh, version of this podcast or tweet us using hashtag MotoGP podcast. We do read them. 
We just we don't promise. always respond. It's been a very busy second half of the season. Um, but we indeed. do read them. I really do enjoy it, actually. I was reading it actually, on, when I landed on the flight the other day, actually, the hashtag. Um, top so, geek level. Yeah, so thank you for getting in touch, everybody. Um, I guess we'll get on with the show. We'll see you afterwards, shall we? Yeah, over to uh, Paul Espargaro, is how you meant to say it. You can start. OK. Okay then, so welcome, Paul. Hi, welcome. <laughs> As our guests will already know, because we will mention that it's you in the intro, okay. uh, you're our guest this week, welcome to Last on the Breaks. First time we're talking to you, obviously like we said when we were just chatting before we started recording, had a leash on earlier in the season, Ooh. so we've got a few, <laughs> got a few childhood secrets not there. Good, not good for sure, <laughs> not good secrets for sure. Um, but yeah, when we've not spoken to someone before, we usually start with a classic question. Okay. How did you start riding? How is it that you're a motorcycle racer? Obviously, we have some of the story from Alesh. What is it like for you as that kind of younger brother? So, okay, thanks for having me, first of all. Oh, and, uh, someone's ever said that. <laughs> yeah, that, you're literally the first person who said that. <laughs> so, um, the first time I, I, when I was a kid, I was uh, playing football. Well, I was a keeper. So, uh, it was a kind of mixed feelings when uh, my brother were going in, was going in motorcycle on the weekends because I was kind of forced to do what the, your old brother is doing. You know, it's what uh, young brothers are doing normally, Classic, do what yeah. the, the, the old brother do. But uh, also, I like it so much to play soccer. So, it arrived to one point where Sundays were the, the matches and Sundays were the races. Ooh. So, my father put, uh, sit me on the, you know, in front of the table and said, okay, uh, mate, you, you can do whatever you want, but you need to choose something. We cannot split in two and you, <laughs> you need to choose motorbikes or football. So then I choose motor, motorbikes, not because I love it more than soccer, it was because my old brother was racing. Okay. So that's why I'm here. And you wanted to beat him already or? <laughs> no, 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 I was just, uh, just trying to copy, just, yeah, yeah. Just to be part of, uh, of the, the family, you know, having fun on, on, on the weekends together. Yeah. I was nice. going to say, I guess when it is your brother also, like your whole family will be involved in his racing. Yeah. And then it becomes like this family activity. Was it that kind of, did you have those good vibes, like everyone kind of racing, racing together to use a Donna tagline? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end, uh, about this... Uh, Family, I felt a little bit sorry sometimes with my sister, you know, because uh, we were going on racing with my brother, my father. Sometimes my mother were coming and my sister was staying with my grandfathers because she was very, very, very young. She was a, she, she's a couple of years younger than me. So we were racing like in Europe or uh, even going outside Europe with 15 years old already. And uh, my sister needed to stay at home and, and we we're like a kind of a split family and I was feeling a little bit bad for it. But it was nice, you know, to travel with your family around the, at least around Spain when we were very young. And sometimes they were coming in Europe and this was very, very nice. That, that time your dad uh, sat you down and said you need to make a choice. Did racing become and riding motorbikes become more serious from that point? Not really, not really. I started to realize motorbike was serious um, in the age of, uh, I think, 13, 13 years old. Till that moment, I was not feeling the pressure or anything. I was just having fun on a motorbike. The problem is uh, 13, 14 years old, I was doing the Spanish championship. And in that moment, the teams in the Spanish championship, they are professional. And you can feel how much everything costs. Yeah. You know, the motorbikes, <laughs> the yeah. mechanics. Uh, you know, because mechanics are talking about salaries. And you know something is going out. Uh, 
uh, is going around and, and, and then you start to feel, come on, if I destroy the bike, how much costs the bike? How much it costs this if I crash? And, and then in that moment you realize there is a lot of money going on in this job and then you start to feel that it's not uh, just a funny thing. Yeah. It's starting to be a job and then uh, the pressure comes. Still enjoyment though? Yeah, it's a different kind of enjoying, yeah. but it becomes more serious for sure. So, okay, that's an interesting one. So then obviously, if it, it felt more serious, then you decided to turn professional, make it your career. You've had quite a different path to a leash where you are now. So mm -hmm. then it's not quite the same, all moving around together, doing the same stuff on the same path. What was the biggest influence on where you've gone to get to where you are now, or to get to MotoGP first? Yeah, it was uh, very, very different ways of going into the MotoGP. I, I, I mean, there is different uh, ways to arrive to MotoGP. There is guys which uh, they have been alone in one team and the career is super smooth and you can see in the results. And then there is guys like me that I've been changing the team, but I've been, I think, quite honestly, quite lucky with, uh, with the places I've been and I could be world champion in a good team like Pons. And then uh, there is my brother, which has been uh, going like boom going up and down uh, going in the spanish championship stopping in the middle of his uh, sports career then going straight away super young to MotoGP. Uh, you know my brother has been uh, difficult difficult career and and um, i feel very lucky with this because uh, when we were young especially i was using super always super good brands of helmets and uh, like leather suit always i've been in the top manufacturers of leather suit and my brother were just catching what uh, they were offering to him. And sometimes uh, I felt a little bit sorry about this and I felt not good with this. But I think my brother is a um, true um, image of a guy that had been fighting a lot for his dream and he achieved it. So I think he should be super proud of it because his sports career has been super up and down and finally he have a good stability now in MotoGP doing great as well, so he deserves it. I don't want to turn this conversation into Pole and Aleish about, yep. because it's about you, but yep. I do, that does intrigue me because obviously he's so, he's so active on social media and mm -hmm. like he he's always talks about, I want to show people that I enjoy my life. It sounds to me like maybe that attitude now has come from the fact that he really had to graft and work super hard and scrap his way through to get here, like not having the right, you know, top manufacturers of leathers and helmets. Is yeah. that why he's so positive now, do you think? Yeah, I mean, Aleix is a guy where uh, he likes controversies, he likes polemics, <laughs> you know, it's... They know it's, what you mean! <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, I, I do not enjoy with this. Yeah. I, I don't suffer with the criticized number of the people. Uh, I arrive to one level, which I cannot suffer with this because I would not be racing more GP, but I, I try to avoid them, yeah. you know? My brother likes, likes it. He gets pumped with it. He gets pumped <laughs> when the people are saying, you are a bad rider. Uh, you will arrive nowhere or he need actually this you yeah. know and then in the social networks uh, he's uh, super open he's super wide and this makes you make a lot of mistakes like uh, putting um, things on, on social networks that you should not put yeah, yeah. or that uh, you know it's gonna be controversial and people will not like it and and sometimes uh, as you get good feedbacks, you can get super bad feedbacks. And that's why I try to stay a little bit more away on my, especially on my private life. Yeah. But he's fully open and 
and he can handle these moments super good. He he actually like it. So it's in this in this parameter we are super yeah. different. I quite yeah, like the, the contrast that. there. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, this is what we want. We want different characters we yeah. want to see like who you each are and if that is someone who's like no you're wrong that's great <laughs> and if you're like no 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 <laughs> but you actually speaking of social media something i didn't put in here playing the piano yeah you've posted yeah. a few of those recently it seems to me anyway like i've always followed you obviously but kind of out of nowhere this year you seem to have posted a few more videos of that. Is it something you've been learning for a long time or is it like a new...? I mean, I play quite a lot piano, but uh, I'm super shy with it. I mean, I'm not able to play piano in front of people. Like, uh, I start to shake and I start to get super nervous. I, I don't know why, but... MotoGP rider gets stage fright. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, but even playing in front of my wife, I, I get super nervous. I don't know why, but... And I bet she loves that. <laughs> yeah. I bet she loves that. Maybe because I do not... I feel I do not control the situations as I normally do in, in the other situations of my life. So that makes me feel super scared. And uh, I normally do not post uh, anything on Instagram about my private life, but sometimes I feel so relaxed when I'm playing piano or... Uh, yeah listening music and that I say why not just I don't care if it's good or bad but I just record it uh, making mistakes and I'm not a good pianist but I play just I mean, to pretty good to me I was gonna say, like, <laughs> no. my version of playing the piano is basically like translating the guitar chord into bass and then three notes and then just going like this as I sing so I think you're right. you're good level. My, my version of piano stuff. is playing chopsticks. <laughs> 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 That's with the two fingers. Yeah, yeah just it, it, it makes me it makes me feel super relaxed. <laughs> and in these last last days, uh, where uh, with my full family at home, I need these kind of moments where relax a little because it's quite uh, chaotic yeah. my life right now. So uh, this helped me quite a lot. I bet That's your cool. I bet your kids growing up will love piano and you playing it and things like that. I mean, cool I, I hope my, my, my daughters will play piano very soon, much better than me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is not super difficult, but I, it's something that my father wanted uh, about me and I started to play piano quite young. I stayed like four or five years and then I started to hang out with my friends and I said, okay, this is not cool. And this was one of the biggest mistakes I yeah. did in my life. So I take it back very late on and now I'm suffering it uh, to get back what I lost. I bet that's really funny. I bet there's so many people listening, you know, we all do things. I mean, I was even told being interested in motorbike racing when I was a kid wasn't cool. You know, yeah. and I love going to motorbike racing all my life, British Superbikes, ever since I was four years old. People in school, that's not cool, that's not cool. And, oh, yeah? well, you know, we're here now. <laughs> it's pretty cool to us, you know. I feel like that's a very south of England experience Maybe. compared to Granollers, where yeah, they'd be like, that's the coolest Spain, thing ever. Spain, Spain, motorbikes, yeah, it's been, exactly. uh, yeah, on the highest level. So, uh, we'll change the topic a little bit, but good to know about piano, that's really interesting. Yeah, um, I just remembered then, because I was watching it the other day, I was like, oh, I, we'll, I got we'll, the Zen, I felt okay, it. Okay, okay, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll pass something else, okay. World champion, Paul Spargo, um, 2013, becoming a world champion. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's... What's that like? <laughs> that, was, that was good, but it was good because um, I suffered so much that year. If you ask me which are the best year of your career, uh, just enjoying riding and having fun, I would not tell you 2013, I would tell you the year before, 2012. Mm. And I noticed earlier, yeah. you got four more points in 2012 yeah. than 2013. Yeah, in that year well, I enjoy so much <laughs> fighting with Mark every race till the last lap. I get more pulls than him. 
uh, I was super strong. I felt strong. I felt like I could win all the races and then I was enjoying ev every race, mm. different ways. But then in 2013, it was not because the pressure, it because when someone, when everyone expects so much about you, yeah. every single mistake you pay it so badly. And, uh, you know, then I started to fight with the Scott, also with my, my teammate Tito, that I had very close in, inside my team. We were three in the team. Uh, and it was quite chaotic in that moment and uh, I did not enjoy it so much 2013 even if it, it ended up yeah. with a world championship that I will record, I will remember for all my life but I, I suffered quite a lot that year. But does, uh, does life change after you become a world champion? Obviously being Moto2 world champion is a one-way ticket to MotoGP. Yeah. But in, in general life, you know, what is it like that moment you become world champion? You know, it, it didn't change so much no. about me because, um, I mean, I have my friends. The friends I have, I have since I was in school. So I did not change my friends. I was already with my wife, so I did not change. I was not going hang out with girls. So <laughs> Not living the rock star life. I mean, <laughs> it didn't change so much. Actually, in that year, the year after, when I moved to MotoGP, I moved to live in Andorra, which is a super quiet place, and just you have you you have mountains to train, and so yeah, my life is pretty boring. <laughs> it's not. Let's <laughs> yeah, no, boring is yeah. not the information. <laughs> the thing is, well, no. with the with being like a world champion and stuff, I I wonder whether well. So my question to you will be then. Before you became a world champion in Grand Prix, what did you think life as a world champion would be like? And did it meet that expectation? You know what happened when you are world champion? That uh, you feel like when you are fighting for something so many years, you are just behind something, like uh, a dog be behind a sausage, you know, like just <laughs> running, running to catch it. Once you have it, you say, okay, that's it? Yeah. You know, okay, I get it, and, and now what? Yeah, right. Now, okay. And you wake up the day after and say, okay, you are world champion, but you, you need to do the same or even better next year. The breakfast know? tastes yeah. the same. Exactly like, the same. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite annoying, you know? Do you, do you think <laughs> there are riders in the paddock who haven't been world champions yet understand that? Do you think they know that? Or is that something you can only fully comprehend when you yeah. make it? You know, the, the problem is to, to, to be able to enjoy it, you know, because when you are going behind it, it's like a trophy that you are dreaming about and you are everything you are doing is to to, to arrive there okay and you feel like when i'm gonna be there this is gonna be my dream but once you are fighting for it you don't feel like you are um, you you are a, you are a, like a, a you have this privilege of uh, just a few riders can fight for this but then you feel like you normalize the situation and you feel like this is what you should be doing it's normal and then in the moment you you feel this is normal, you stop enjoying it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm explaining well. Yeah, no, I know you exactly are explaining what you very mean. well. It's the same before even having my job now. Yeah. Remembering like the job I had before that yeah. I was hating and I was yeah. like, what am I gonna do with my life? Yeah. Like and then you're like, oh I'd love to work in MetaGP. Yeah. And then when something annoys you now, it's like, ugh. Mm -hmm. yes. But you have to think back to It's like dreaming, before. you know, when I'm going to be here or fighting for the world champion or being world champion, I'm going to be in the glory. But then you get it and you say, okay, just what else? You know, what I can yeah. get else? And what you were fighting and dreaming for, it's, it's already small. And this is, uh, I think it's a human character, which is not nice. Yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, that, we'll skip forward then a little bit, because that's a good segue 
into your kind of mentality. Obviously, rookie season MotoGP, pretty impressive. Good run of few seasons with Yamaha. Then you made a huge decision to move to a completely new project yeah. where you're kind of going from fighting for the podium, the top five, to building that bike from zero. Is that kind of that same mentality then that you use in that project? Because you know, like, okay, I've got the world championship, I've got this, I've got this, now let's, the next thing. I mean, it comes a little bit, uh, I don't know if I can explain it this many, many times, but um, it comes a little bit earlier on. You know, uh, when I, in my second year of uh, MotoGP, well, my first, after my first year in MotoGP with Yamaha, I finished, I think, fifth, very close yeah. to fourth, which it was uh, Dobby yeah, yeah. with the Ducati. And then in that year, I, it was the year that Suzuki was coming into the World Championship. And I had the offer. I mean, we were talking with them and um, I had some promises from Yamaha and some talking about, imagine, the retirement of Valentino Rossi. And in that moment, I said after my first year being almost in the top, well, I've been in the top five. Um, they were saying, okay, just wait because maybe you are going to be in the factory team. Then I... Second year, it was not as good in Yamaha. I had super amp, amp. I needed to make series in the middle. I was in Suzuki Tower racing, and it was not a great, great year. And then I saw as Suzuki started to make an amazing results very, very fast. And in that moment, I said, okay, you, you, you did the, the wrong choice. You know, you should move. When you had the opportunity, when you were strong, you should move this yeah. to a new factory because being a factory rider in MotoGP is important to learn, and to grow as a rider. It teaches you many, many things. And then I said to myself, when a new factory is gonna come into the MotoGP, okay. I'm gonna catch it. Wow. Sure, I'm gonna catch it. And then I saw the project of, of KTM, and I said, okay, Suzuki was different. They've been in the MotoGP in the past, but KTM, they are fully new Literally here. It's zero, new. Everything. But I said, okay, if I don't take it, and then in the future they are winning or being in the podium or doing good results, I'm going to kill myself, <laughs> you know? And Dramatic, but understandable. Yeah, and, and then it happened, you know, we end up doing podiums and, and pole positions. And, and, and you were the first on the podium with them, so. Yeah, so everything that we did, I think that was the right choice in my, what one of the greatest choice in my sports career. I suffered a lot and I, I fight a lot for it, but it was, it was a good choice. It's, I find it, it's all very well saying before you took that offer, okay, I, I must be prepared, this is a new manufacturer, no experience, I'm not going to be winning straight away. However, what in, was the reality like of going from podium contender with Yamaha, really strong, to then <laughs> top 10 is going to be difficult <laughs> yeah. to begin with? What was that really actually like? This was, this was very, very shocking. Um, the first race... <laughs> I remember eh, the first race I was in the, in the, in the grid, I was uh, just in front of my teammate, but we were the last. And I think one second of Tito Rabat, we was the guy in, in front. And we were counting with my cute mechanic, Paul Trevathan. We were just counting the, the seconds they were taking us per lap and just trying to figure it out if they are going to overtake. The first is going to overtake us during the race. Wow. And this was embarrassing. Yeah. And also when we finished the race, for sure the last of the race, we entered into the pit and we were just super happy because we could finish the race. So imagine in the level we were. <laughs> that was... Gonna say, but the level you reached as well, yeah. it must make you really proud to have been part of that from the start or 
from the back <laughs> yeah, to yeah. the front. Yeah, that that was that was I think uh, what it makes it makes me I think more proud of my sports career to bring this bike into the podium and pole positions where I heard many many times thousand people telling me this bike is not gonna work, this chassis system is not gonna work, and at the end we make it work yeah. with a lot of sweat, injuries, blood, but we make it it works and it was it was super nice and I I learned so much and it was what I was looking for, you know, to grow as a rider, which I think in Yamaha I was not growing as a rider, as a satellite rider. I had, I think, zero responsibility, and there I had all the responsibility on me. Yeah. And uh, this was shocking, but it helps me to to become a better man, yeah. not by just in my in my sports career, also in my private life. They they make me a better man, and and uh, yeah, that that was very very. The knowledge was very nice. But we do have a few quick-fire questions to ask you, but obviously your team has been very kind to, to obviously give us your time. So we do want to ask a little bit about this year as well. Mm -hmm. um, very not everything you've told us about that decision to go to KTM. Was that same mentality the reason behind this move, without regurgitating all the articles when you did move? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, shooting this wall. Uh, you cannot take time. I mean, uh, the criticism, criticism comes very, very early on if you are not doing the results. But at the end, I, I need to tell to myself that things need time. Even if I get one pole position and the results are not as bad. I mean, in same points as Taka that has been here for many, many years in front of Alex. And uh, so actually I'm the second on the, on the World Championship standings. The results for sure are not good. And I'm the first one criticizing myself and working more and, and I think better than ever. But in the same way I'm doing everything is not going well, I'm 100% sure I will take it up. I will take the result out of, of this project. And the best knowledge I had, it was in KTM. So if I, I always am saying to myself, if I could take it out the results from this new project from zero, I will do that here in Honda 100%. I have no doubt. So I just need to work, time, and patience, which I understand for the press and for the people, and even for Honda is, is difficult, but it will come. That was going to be my question, basically. Yeah, like, obviously, with that experience from KTM going from where you were to where you got to, it must, does it feel like a little bit less pressure than maybe some of the media are saying? Because some of the media sometimes is like, oh, well, you're not on the podium every weekend. Ugh. Whereas actually you're like, no, it's okay, actually. We've made this progress. We've done this. You said the pole position was like a bubble of oxygen, I think. Yep. Give you a bit more energy again. Yeah. Does it feel different in the team where you're just working hard towards that goal rather than really any of the kind of comments around it? I mean, you, you need to be out of the comments of the paddock or uh, the comments of the press. There is always a lot of interest interest in the paddock or if the different uh, kind of uh, journalists, uh, different of kind of countries where the comments are coming, uh, you know, so you need to really took the comments, the, the, the bad comments, because also you need to take the bad comments, but from the journalists or the people on the paddock that you really know they are doing for the good, not for bad, or yeah. to, to, to hurt you or to hurt Maybe they are trying to hurt the team, but to hurt the team, they need to hurt you. You know, and, and sometimes you need to just be aware of these kind of comments and just be focused on your line, just doing your job. And I know that's difficult. I know 
I know not all the riders can handle this, but I've been in that situation even worse before in KTM, and I, I, we, with all the team, overcome to these uh, problems, and and we end up doing podiums. So why not? We are going to end up here doing podiums as well. That's awesome. That's really well, good. Yeah. Should we uh, move on to quick fires? Let's do it. Uh, you guys, get up for you. Get a ticket. Okay, okay. okay. So <laughs> the first one. Um, which three people? If that's your team as well, isn't it? Making yeah. the noise terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the open door and the beatbox is amazing. Uh, so if you could invite three people, dead or alive, from any time in history to Ooh. a dinner party, who would you choose? On a, on a MotoGP? Anyone in the world. Anyone? Why? Anyone this is at a, all. This is, this is a question that I really need to think about. Okay. This is why we ask it first. In okay. case you need a little bit so of time. If, if you back. want to think about that, we can ask you the second question, okay? Okay, okay. So the second question is uh, from Matt Polanski. Which track, not on the calendar at the moment, would you like to go to? Okay, maybe uh, for the historical as it is, maybe Imola. Ooh, nice. It's a place where uh, I would like to ride. Yeah, maybe maybe Imola. Yes, it's also. I mean, you could do a superbike wildcard. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, but also you know our bikes are super fast and we need the walls very far away, yeah, yeah. and then it's pretty close. But yeah, maybe Imola. It's a nice place, super nice. historical. Yeah. Fair enough. Nice one. So this one's from Hey Mike Falcone. Oh, Laguna Seca, I would say. Sorry, Laguna Seca as well. Yeah. I, I, that's the one I was expecting. Yeah, Laguna Seca. Everyone loves um, Is there anyone who helped you get to where you are that we haven't heard of? Yeah, or that we many, don't know many, many people. Many people for sure. There is many people which is not here in the paddock and they don't want to be in the paddock that help you a lot. I mean. At uh, the end, uh, the people who have helped me more, is, it's people that uh, have helped me when I was five years old or six years old, where my father had no money and they were giving me for free, uh, I don't know, maybe the tires or just yeah. 500 euros for my father to travel to one place or to wow. pay something. You know, like uh, we had one sponsor that it was a friend of my father, which, um, I mean, they were doing for nothing because the publicity that a kid of six years old do it's zero. So they were doing just for friendship, and they were not rich, but they were doing that. Uh, and and uh, these kind of people, for sure, will never appear in nowhere. Yeah. But these the little uh, things behind the exactly, scenes. Exactly. Yeah. Especially the beginning of our sport career. Fair yeah. That's nice. Um, what Chris H on Twitter? Which era or decade would you like to time travel to? Okay, I would say I like quite a lot the historical, like Rome, uh, gladiators, okay, this cool. kind of things. That's the, more extreme. And most yeah. people are like 1963. No, <laughs> no, I mean to see how they were living and uh, which were their problems and how they solved them. That would be nice. That's I, an interesting one. Yeah, that, that would be nice. Different answer. Not had that yet. Um, and then the final one from Team Japan GP. What's your personal or professional motto, if you have one, or what would it be? What the, the motto? Uh, like motto. a phrase or like some words that you repeat to yourself. Is there anything you have that's like your phrase to be like, yeah. Your philosophy. I mean, uh, I think it's attitude. It's something that I always 
say to myself, even when I'm angry, like to face the problems in a different way. I mean, I, I've been in MotoGP already like nine years. So uh, how you face the problems and how you talk to the mechanics, how you generate a relationship inside the pit box and how, I mean, you can go to all the teams I've been and I think, I think nobody is going to tell you like uh, I, I've been not, I, I had not a good relationship with them. Even we've had terrible oh, things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I have good relationship with the mechanics, with my old mechanics, but also the the mechanics that were in the other side in the time I was cool. spending there. Like in KTM, I have an amazing relationship with my mechanics, my ex mechanics, but also with the ex mechanics of of the other side. You know, also in Tektro, I have super good relationship with all of them. So I think this comes from attitude, happiness, and and not being a Bad manners guy, I think by being like that, you can stay much more years in MotoGP or in the paddock, which is very small and everyone knows everyone. Probably worth saying at this point, uh, Paul did actually turn up to the podcast early and he actually <laughs> got us waters. He went and got us waters, yeah. so yeah, that polite thing we can actually I was actually too. later than you. <laughs> yeah. so. so, okay, final question obviously, which three people, dead or alive, would you like to invite to a dinner party? I mean, uh, it's not popular what they're gonna say, but oh, I wanna, no. <laughs> I wanna bring there my family. Oh, you know? no, I was gonna say like, don't say your family. Oh my goodness, it's gonna be something political. <laughs> no, but no, it's fine. I mean, uh, That's fine, eh? you know, they they are the people that is helping me more in my life. Uh, so I guess your wife and daughters. My right? wife and daughters. Sorry, and, and maybe my brother. Maybe it depends on the last race if. He would be good or bad to me, but maybe my brother, yes. Hey, Paul, that was really good to get to know you. Thank you thank for your you. time. Really it was a pleasure. It. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much, and best of luck for the rest of the season. Thank you else. very much. Thank you. So I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. Uh, certainly a side of Paulus Bargro I've not heard before. Also, his English was even better than I thought it was, and I already knew it was quite good. Yeah, impressive stuff. Wow, we. Um, as he did say, shame, didn't he? slightly better Spanish and Catalan still, but yes. uh, getting there. Certainly, it really put us to shame, I think, some <laughs> his articulation, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, so, yeah, I think another good episode, if we do say so ourselves, get, trying to get behind the characters a little bit. Let us know what you thought of it. As always, your thoughts, questions, answers as well to the question of the week. Uh, let us know who you want to hear from going forward from last on the breaks. Yeah, because this is the third third to last race. It is. So, so episodes are running out for the season. So if you want to, if you've got a suggestion, get in touch. And if you want to give us another quick fire question idea as well, we can keep them in the vault for next year. No problem. So yeah, just get in touch as ever. Thank you for listening slash watching. And uh, Arrivederci for now. Arrivederci. Yeah.